If you're an attorney that struggles with getting home in time for dinner or taking a vacation without your cell phone and your laptop attached to your hip, or maybe you just can't figure out why you don't make more money based on your education level and the service that you give to your clients. Maybe you're an attorney who wonders, why can't my law firm operate without my constant presence? Or finally, maybe you're thinking to yourself, I wonder if I can ever retire from my firm. Maybe I'm going to have to work right to my dying day, like so many other attorneys before me have done. Well, hi, my name is Richard James, and I created EA Nation so that you could learn how to build a law firm that supports your lifestyle as compared to undermining your lifestyle. EA Nation stands for Entrepreneurial Attorney Nation, and we join together with other like-minded entrepreneurial attorneys to unpack the secrets to how to do just that. And I want to help you build your law firm better one system at a time. So without further ado, let's get started with this next episode. Um, one of the questions I have, I know Charles has taken, um, I didn't know you were going to be on Charles, but I have like my little jot down notes here of what I wanted to cover. And one of the things I wanted to cover today was, you know, what's it like to take an extended vacation? And so, you know, every year for the last 12 years or so, I've taken July and December off predominantly. Um, so I'm some, for me, it's kind of just gotten as regular as regular as regular life is. But I know you were just gone for a couple of weeks to Myrtle Beach. What was that like for you? Did you, did you have your cell phone off? Did you have your cell phone on? What did it look like? Uh, it was actually pretty great. I, I had no cell phone uh, use, but I did have my Apple Watch. So you can like get text messages, but it doesn't bother you the rest of the time about stuff. And I was gone for two weeks and I basically had one 30-minute phone call with my staff and that was about a 30-minute phone call that I had to have with another attorney who sent a letter to the office that had a deadline before I got back from vacation. Like the client needs a response to this letter before the end of vacation. And my response was to call the attorney and say, are you kidding me? It's 4th of July week and uh, I'll talk to you next week when I get back. But that was the only thing that I really had to deal with. I usually, instead of taking one big vacation, I'm a fan of tons of little vacations. Yeah. And I think that that's more just a place of where I'm at in my life with the age of my kids and stuff. We can't disappear for a month because of sports and practices and swimming and field hockey and, you know, I, I will look forward to those month long vacations at some point, but right now my kids can't come and I like to spend time with them. So I do little vacations. Yeah. And we don't travel like we used to either. I mean, we, we found that um, matter of fact, now that we live in the home we live in in North Carolina, we like it so much. We, were, I know we were going to go to Asheville one weekend and we we're like, you know, why don't we just stay at our own pool and hang out here? We really like it and invite some friends over. So um, you know, vacation is really how you define it, right? So when I say I take July off, for me, more than anything else, it's just I don't have any client calls scheduled and I can come and go as I please. We always go to Virginia Beach for one week and uh, drink too much Corona and play too much, well, not too much cornhole, but play cornhole. Um, so, you know, it's to, to each his own. But really what I wanted to get at is as we go through the room here, uh, you know, Stephen Frazier, what is your what does vacation mean to you and 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 are you have you been able to take it? No, I haven't. Uh, All right. And what what would it look like to you? How do we what what's a, what what would you like vacation to be for you? To at least you know take a week or so and be away from the office. Yep. Uh, over the last several years, at least since my children my boys graduated high school now before we would go on vacation in the summers uh and so on i haven't really been on one the longest thing i go on is weekend we go to a football game go to a bowl game something like that uh and so that's that's basically where i've been and it's not good for me because i get burned out and then something stupid happens and, you know, and then you got these other things going on and I would never advise anybody to live, live like that. But it seems like there's always something that I, you know, I say, oh, well, I can't do it for this reason or the other. And what I need to do is mark it off and go. Yeah. I, and I think that's one of the most important lessons that we can take out of this it really comes down to first making a decision, right? 
So whether your decision is like Charles decides he's going to take several smaller vacations in the course of the year, and my family and I used to do that too, because we would just match it up with the kids' uh, time off of school. Um, or if you're going to take a larger, a longer break, whether it's a week or 10 days or a month, it doesn't matter. The key is making the decision that that's going to happen and then marking it off on the calendar to make it happen. And then, of course, preparing yourself. So either booking the trip or turning off your phone or setting up your office so that it can happen. And, and so for you, is it more of you just need to make the decision and do it? Or is there something missing in your practice to help you get there? Well, there's probably a little something missing in my practice to help me get there. And right now, I've got a really big missing piece, and that's an employee. Yeah. Okay. And it's not because I haven't been trying. I've had three since January. One of them lasted two days. Mm -hmm. One of them lasted six weeks. And she had too much drama going on at home. I think what it really boiled down to was her girls didn't want her to be working during the summer while they were off from school. Right, right. And then I had one who worked for two weeks and she says, well, I found a job closer to home. Mm. Uh, I can tell you where she lived and where I am, but that wouldn't mean anything to you because you're not from here. And uh, that kind of thing. And, you know, you just sort of sometimes just feel like you don't have the time, the money, the, the, the whatever. But, you know, I found here, too, because I went to Arizona mm -hmm. and, uh, and I'm coming to San Diego. Right. That I have that marked off. If something comes up, I just tell folks, hey, it's going to have to happen some other time. Yeah. But coming back to your point about finding the right staff, I mean, you're not, I know you know this, you're not alone, right? I, 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 anybody else on the call having a hard time finding quality team members? Uh, I mean, so um, I've got an ad running right now in uh, from my old stopping grounds in Scranton, Pennsylvania, where I know, you know, people are paid less than $15 an hour for, for most jobs. And uh, I'm running an ad in the Craigslist ads right now. I'm about to kick it up into Indeed and ZipRecruiter for $20 an hour job that works remote in, in Scranton. And, and I can't get a single hit, like not even a single reply. Uh, and it's due to the fact that the unemployment is still being augmented. And so people are not wanting to work for $20 an hour when they can sit home and, and do nothing for $22 an hour, whatever, whatever it is they're making. So we, we are as small business owners facing this trial right now. Um, and we, we have to continue to work through it. Um, you know, we have to do what we can with what we have, uh, try to do more with what we have, and we have to continue to market. Um, we, you know, at some point the dam is going to break at some point, people are going to need to work again. I just don't know when that some point is, but Steven, yeah, I, I, I think that you said it, you hit the nail on the head. When you schedule time to come to partners club, you just find a way to make it happen. Um, but you'd like to be able to make it happen in a way that you don't have to be responsive. And so that's really what I want to talk about today, just continuing down this path. What systems do we have to put in place to accomplish that? So, Ron Kohler. Let me interject to Charles yeah. for a second. Sure. One reason to see that mine cut off, back before my kids, my boys were playing baseball during the summer. We were traveling everywhere. Yeah. And enjoy that while you can for any of you who have that. Yeah. Okay, enjoy it because it'll be gone too soon yeah. and you'll miss it. Yeah, it's good advice. Um, you know, while Maria and I are enjoying, you know, she said to me today, oh, did you hear that? I hear, said, yeah, it's quiet. She said, yeah, there was, everybody's gone. Uh, we, we had just had a fill of them for the last, you know, 10 or 12 days. Um, it, we, we, we definitely find ourselves missing going to the ball games and running them around. Um, it'd be, you know, it'll be fun to do it with grandkids someday, I hope. Uh, Ron Kohler, how about you? Can you, can you find your way to a vacation? I know you've been busier than all beat the band and which has been good. Um, but you two have had difficulties with team members or team members that, you know, weren't going to be able to work, work when you need them to work or whatever. How, what does it look like for you? Well, um, the last two years, I've had fantastic vacations with my daughter and uh, two of my grandkids down in Destin, Florida, 
my daughter who moved down to Atlanta, who I hardly ever see. So we spent uh, one week vacations together the last two Septembers. I, I don't think we're going to do that this year. Um, uh, earlier this year, I had someone, uh, my only secretary who'd been with me for three years, uh, first of all, tell me she was going to go down to 24 hours a week instead of 40 and then retire. Um, and uh, we had a little bit of a uh, uh, difficulty in, in replacing her. We, we thought we had somebody and they turned out to be not a good replacement, not a good fit. And uh, then we, we did go a couple of months looking and looking and looking. And, and finally, I found someone who started in May. So I went three weeks without any uh, support staff at all. And then uh, about four weeks into her working for me, she had to have foot surgery. And she's been out for uh, two and a half weeks now, and it's going to be another week and a half. So I'm, I'm pretty much pulling my hair out. I'm getting uh, new, new estates in uh, two to three a week, which is very uh, much more than usual. And a lot of estate planning clients, I'm still sending some of the work to her. Uh, she's doing from her couch, uh, doing some of the document assembly on the estate planning. Uh, and, you know, it's just uh, uh, kind of a frustrating situation. But I love this frustration compared to the frustration I had before, which was sitting around waiting for the phone to ring, hoping that I get a new client in or running, running to get the mail to see if there's a check in the mail. Yeah. Um, things, things are much better. Uh, profit first is, has been very helpful. Well, I'm, you know, we're just making really good progress with some of my long-term goals and uh, um, probably going to do a vacation uh, later in the year when it gets cold up here, head south, instead of going in September. Uh, uh, it's much nicer to go south uh, when you're flying away from snow and getting onto a beach. So that's, that's my plan for around maybe Christmas time this year. Good. So, Ron, as, as we unpack that a little bit, the good news is it sounds like this, this woman who's working for you now is somebody that you actually think might work out, but we just have to get her through this period where she's gone through her foot surgery. So that's coming to an end here soon. And hopefully yeah. she will continue to work out well for you. Um, but, but what you said that, you know, one of the things that was allowed you to be able to take decent vacations as compared to what you were able to do years ago was profit first, just in case there's somebody on the call um, who, who doesn't really know what that is, walk me through what that system looks like for you. How, how often do you move money from, the pro, from your account to the profit account? What does it look like? It's as Mike Michalowicz uh, told us, it's set up to happen automatically and it happens every week. Uh, money goes into savings, money goes into a tax account, uh, money goes to pay down uh, debts um, uh, operating uh, debts uh, that I've had down through the years. And we're, uh, our first priority is getting the debt paid down. And we've been making amazing progress on that, especially this year. And especially during the time I didn't have uh, a staff member uh, on payroll. <laughs> so we were able to pay extra on that. But it, it's automating um, what your goals are to meet your goals in terms of having money available to pay taxes and, and, uh, to go to savings and to go to paying down debt uh, by setting up different accounts. To, and it's it's such a simple thing uh, to set up because if you say, well, all right, I'm gonna do it. I'll, I'll look at the end of the week and see what's left and, and then go ahead and make those uh, uh, transfers. Uh, you're not gonna do it or you're not gonna do it in the right amounts. Uh, whereas if you just set it up to automatically have a certain amount go, then, and also it puts you, puts a little bit of an incentive on you to make sure you, you work hard to have the money available uh, for those transfers to take place. And I use uh, Quicken, I don't use QuickBooks, but I use Quicken. So I can see not only the transfers I've made, but the transfers that are coming over the next couple of weeks and to see how much money has to be in there. And so far, and, and I give God a lot of credit too. God's blessed us with uh, our, our practice here and, uh, the cash flow has just been uh, really, really good this year. Good. Yeah, I think what you, you said, it you summed it up best when you said it, we got to set it up as an automated function. Um, I, mine is a little bit dynamic. I go in every, every day uh, and whatever deposits came in that day, I move a certain percentage over to my profit account and my tax account. Uh, and my payroll account, and that's and that's part of my daily routine. It happens every morning 
sitting in the same chair, uh, having my breakfast, moving the money from my phone. Um, and it usually it's about five times a week because there's two days a week where money doesn't hit for different reasons. So um, you, however you do it that works for you, as long as you're moving that profit out first is key. Tom McBride, it's good to see you here. Uh, last time we talked, we were talking about uh, bankruptcies and, and chapter 13 checks and what's coming down the road. Have you got any more clarity on that about what's going on for you uh, in bankruptcy since the last time we spoke? Well, I think we may have bottomed out, uh, Rich. Um, in the near future, a lot of people are going to have to start paying uh, for the house, the, co uh, the cost of housing again. So uh, I think that'll help uh, the cases increase. But it's pretty slow, but um, there's plenty of maintenance work to do on the existing files. Yeah, for sure. And and so, I mean, I think, you know, I, I got sent a... Uh, some, Ron, I think it was Ron Drescher sent something the other day, either through my wife on Facebook or something like that, that said that, you know, they're asking banks, some government agency is asking banks to do everything they can to do a workaround on before they do a foreclosure, especially for somebody who didn't, wasn't delinquent before March of last year. Um, but as you said, these folks haven't had to pay for their living expenses for so long. Now, all of a sudden, they're going to have to pay for their living expenses, and many of them haven't calculated that in. So at some point right. when they have to start paying, I think it's going to put pressure back on people to correct things financially in their life once and for all, rather than uh, just limping through by the help they've been getting from the government. Yeah, um, well, I read the legal recorder every day, the, uh, the foreclosures, I mean, the uh, e evictions for the renters has really kicked up. Uh, so that's going to be a big factor. Those people who have probably haven't paid rent in eight or nine months. Uh, and Capital One Bank filed uh, 28 collection losses Thursday hmm. in the local state court, uh, primarily on credit card accounts. So uh, we, we still have 69 months of uh, uh, bad uh, uh, file, low filings, but it'll pick back up. Yeah. Um, but you, as I understand it, your market share is still holding strong, albeit that filings are down. Yeah, we're, we're close to 50% for the month. Um, it's it good. It doesn't make me feel a lot better to know that everyone else is feeling a pain also, yeah. but uh, <laughs> yeah. it helps. Yeah, Suffer, suffering doesn't, uh, with everybody else does not necessarily make suffering any easier. Um, uh, but you know, the big, the big thing is paying attention to those, that future dollars, like we were talking about. Right. And, right. and what, what that's going to look like. Um, David Murphy, how about you? Did, did you take a vacation this year? What's your plans? Uh, yeah, m my life this year has been mildly odd. We are now living in two places. Hmm. Um, I am licensed in Idaho. My family visited Idaho a few times last year and decided they loved it better than Houston, Texas. So I now have a residence up here in Idaho and opening up an office up here and then maintaining my office in Houston. So trying to learn how to straddle both. So I'm back and forth every other week between two of them. And while I'm up here in Idaho, I'm only working four days a week. So yeah. I'm able to spend the three days solid with my kids and my wife because the basically um, 11 days that I'm in Houston uh, straddling the weekends, I'm working 24 seven all the way through. If I'm not with my family, then my thoughts should be that I'm working on my business as well as in my business, but taking the time when I would be home with my kids and my wife to work on some of the things I'm not able to work on eight to five through the week. So that's the plan anyway. Um, how, how, yeah, old the, how old are the kids? Uh, I've got a daughter who's a freshman that scares the devil and fire out of me. And yeah. I've got a son that's going to be a junior. Got it. So time with them is short. Yeah, no, agreed. And you, you need to, you know, you certainly need to do that. Um, what is your, in your, what is your vision? You, you envision Houston staying open while, even after you build Idaho, or do you envision building Idaho up to the point so it's self-sustaining and then closing Houston or selling Houston? Uh, the plan right now is to, to have both office, offices open. Um, and I'm in the process of looking for another associate that I can groom into a managing attorney so that I only have to be back in Houston once a quarter for a few days 
and manage everything, you know, electronically over the internet through Zoom, through emails and Teams and whatnot. I mean, that, that, if there's a silver, if there is a silver lining in COVID, it's that you could not have convinced me. I don't care how hard you tried. 18 months ago, the law firm could be run virtually. Yeah. Yeah. And when all of my staff went home and I had no choice but running them virtually, so, oh, okay, this can work. So I don't plan on closing Houston. I just plan on getting it to a point where it's going to run virtually without me. And these off on weeks have, are going to be a good, have been and are going to be a good trial. I haven't, I haven't missed a beat with, um, my lead generation um, or, or our closing transactions after the client's already engaged with us, you know, the fruition of the, the, the matter through, through the closing. Mm-hmm. Um, what I will be doing, and I wanted to do anyway, was moving away from litigation because the profit margins just aren't as high for me as they are in the transactional matters. The transactional matters have about a 40 to 45% margin ratio and the, and the litigation matters are anywhere from ten to thirty, depending upon what they are. What, what, I don't uh, like that variable. What practice area did you go with in Idaho? I'm I'm doing my same estate planning, business formation. You are okay. I'm I'm in the process of going through all my CLEs and learning what I need to do with bankruptcy. Charles and the guys in, in my group have been fantastic, but I I have a a reservation of stepping out to help someone when they're in that situation and fumbling and not knowing exactly what I'm doing. Maybe it's a little bit of analysis paralysis, but I I just have a hard time in jumping into someone's life in that danger situation and knowing what I'm doing and making sure that I'm doing it properly for the client. uh, Maybe it's a pride of workmanship. Maybe it's analysis paralysis. I'm not sure. I, I mean, I think it's all of that. Um, and then some, but, but that's normal. Um, my, my, the most difficult task I have when working with law firm owners is oftentimes convincing them that they own a license to practice law, which means they can employ people that know that practice of law and they, all they have to do is own the marketing and sales systems and then they can add another practice area. It's easy to say, it's not always easy to do between the fear of the Bar Association, between the fear of the Ethics Committee, the, between the constant you know, conversation you have with yourself that you feel you should know this practice area as well as you know everything else. Um, but the firms that build probably the most diversified and least risk, uh, most risk adverse firms to ma- major macroeconomic events like this downturn in bankruptcy we've seen are the firms that have multiple different practice areas running at once. That being said, right now you've got, you know, you've got two offices that you're uh, you're you're running, and it sounds like somewhat successfully, um, and you're trying to maintain your life as well. One of my earlier sayings was, if you want to know how good your systems are in your law firm, open a second office. You'll find <laughs> out. You'll find out really quick. And so, um, you know, this is a this is a testing time for you to be able to, I think, nail that down. I like the idea of leaning leaning into the transactional work more than the litigation work, not just for margins, but also because it's going to be a lot easier for you to find staff that are going to be able to help you with the transactional work than it is going to be able to find staff that's going to help you with the litigation work. And oftentimes the litigation work is going to fall back on your shoulders. And the litigation work's the work that you're going to, my experience with litigators is that that's the area that you've honed your skill on and you feel like you're the best at. And oftentimes you find new associates come in, don't get to your standard uh, as, and they won't because they're not experienced enough until they get experienced, but it's hard to let them have their own enough rope to hang themselves with quote, quote unquote, and, and litigators struggle with that. So a, a practice area that will let you spring your wi- wings faster is a practice area that is not litigation based for sure. Well, I, I also like the fact that the transactional work is more administrative intensive than it is attorney intensive. Correct. So I may, I, I'm from that perspective, I can have an attorney spread across and do uh, touch more clients um, because it's, it's less hypersensitive on the attorney's work and more on reviewing and making sure that the administrative staff is doing what they were instructed to do. Yeah, no, I love that. Uh, you know, as far as 
when you know, if I have if I have to choose how to build a law firm, I want to build it administrative heavy law legal light. Um, it's not easy to do that. It's actually almost impossible to do that in family law um, and and civil litigation. Um, but when you pick estate planning or bankruptcy or immigration or things of that nature, um, low level um, DUI cases for criminal, you can you can get more of that done in that manner. And so I I prefer it. Um, there there's other there's benefits to the litigation side as well, um, but they always carry with them in order to, for you to expand from a litigation perspective, uh, you need really good attorneys. Um, and so you're dependent on them. And, and, you know, one of my clients, Scott David Stewart in the Phoenix area, uh, he, you know, he's been with me for a decade now. And uh, we talked last week and it's really difficult, not last week, sorry, we talked last month. And it's really difficult for him to find quality uh, attorneys right now and pay them uh, what's now considered a market-based wage. It's, that definition has changed considerably. So anyway, uh, transactional work is, is, in my opinion, the way to go. Um, but you know, one of the biggest areas of transactional work in, in bankruptcy, as we all know, has been a, through a period of decline now for uh, a number of years. And so hopefully, as Tom said, we're, we're bottoming out there. So uh, David, the only thing I would tell you inside of this conversation as you're building these two offices is my advice is always the same when folks do this. Just make sure you don't take your hand off the knob. And so, yep, go with, be with your family. Take that time out, carve with your kids. And the attitude you have about hey, when you're not with your family and you're, with, and you're in your business, you're going to be with your business and you're going to be putting, putting the time in it and not only doing the work of the business, uh, that needs to be done by you, but also working on the business, which means paying attention to the numbers. Um, and, you know, that's the most important thing I can tell you to do. It's usually the thing that gets put aside the fastest um, because it's the easiest to kind of let slide and go, well, I'll, I don't need to look at them every week. I'll look at them every other week. And then ah, I don't need to look at them every other week. I'll look at them every month. And before you know it, some things are happening that you missed and you don't know why you missed it. And, and you go a month or two months or three months and it's really hard to dig yourself out. So just paying attention to the numbers is essential as you're going through this. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And that's one of the, one of the things as far as moving up here is since I was a single office in Houston and, you know, whether it's cult of personality or, or whatnot, you know, I, I expanding a business, I can't be the most important person in the room. And all of my all of my stuff is referral based. So pushing into a new market is making me open my eyes into um, how we're dealing with marketing, what we're going to be doing. Um, I've had a couple of meetings with different people. Charles, uh, and I, I won't use the word instructed, but advised me to talk to Robert Stanley and, and his group. And so we're having our third meeting with Robert. I think we're going to start moving forward with that and focus on Robert's staff focusing on here in Idaho to help me build this new market and not be as much concerned about that in Houston because I've got some you know I've got some good relationships and past clients and things that are building on themselves but up here I mean it's it's a brave new world so yeah hey Ron I got a question for you you know there was a time when you weren't uh in the estate planning world where you weren't writing as many estate plans as you're writing right now um, what, do, what do you think the number one marketing factor was for you that helped you over, I mean, it didn't happen overnight, but over time, help you start gathering more cases? Where are most of your cases coming from now? Right now, I'm getting a lot of cases from word of mouth referral. That's, that's still number one. Mm -hmm. I've got uh, a funeral home that's sending me estates and, and I've got uh, Google ads is, is number three. And that's um, it. That's the top three estate planning lead generating tools. The problem, David, of course, that in, as you're going into a new market, we don't have referrals just yet, right? So we have to we have to borrow somebody else's referrals, like the funeral home that Ron was talking about. So getting re, getting referrals from them, developing relationships, coming alongside them and serving them, building partnerships with uh, other allied service professionals like financial planners and insurance agents who are out there having this conversation with people in mass, either virtually or in person already and, par and, and partnering up with them. Um, yeah, my, my dedicated focus here right now, as far as that's concerned, is smaller CPA firms. Yeah, fine. There's CPA firms that have are, are five, five staff or CPAs, you know, total, total employment, 
five or less, I easier chance to get into those. And those are going to be people that are probably more aligned with their clients as far as relationship building as, as I am. Good. I like it. Sounds like a solid plan. I'm excited for you. Um, so folks, if you don't have your camera on, I'm kind of assuming you're just listening and you don't want me to pick on you. Pick on you is the wrong word, but you don't want me to open up a discussion. So if you turn your camera on, I will, I will happily talk with you. Uh, LD, it looked like you were turning yours on there. I don't know if that was a mistake or you were trying to turn it on. Um, I have to set it up. I am here listening. I will get a camera so you can see my smiling face. Sounds good. Sounds good. Um, how is everything going with you? You've been busier than I'll Beat the Band for a while, as I understand. We are busier now than ever before. Our referral marketing program is really knocking it out of the park. Uh, we're getting business. We're expanding. Uh, a lot of good things are happening. As you know, we've been working on it for a year now, and it's finally coming to fruition. And uh, we're very gratified and very pleased with it. Good. Um, so Charles is asking us to tell you a little bit more about your referral marketing plan. Um, is this what you were doing with James Publishing for a while? Are you still doing that or have you, did you build your own referral marketing plan? We use James Publishing to, uh, to assist us. Uh, they provide us materials. They help us uh, in a very good way. Uh, they're just part of it. We, uh, have joined a real estate producers group that uh, it's an organization for 90 for people that move 90 percent of the real estate in our area uh, we're developing good relationships there it's helping us with 1031s helping us with contracts real estate closings uh, business entities it's helping with the transactional things that we want to do and it's helping us with our trust work which is our our core piece of business. Hmm. Uh, so that's working good. Our, our uh, wealth managers, uh, we met a new one yesterday. It's just dynamic, the, the kind of energy that's developing in this area. And uh, I am very glad to tell you that our decision to concentrate and focus on, uh, on referral partners uh, because of the way it works with the Alabama Rules of Professional Responsibility was a wise decision that's producing very nicely for us. That's great. Yeah, I mean, you know, building a referral development program, um, regardless of which uh, allied service professionals you focus on or other attorneys who don't do what you do, um, is, is without a doubt the most uh, evergreen way of building a business. Um, once you build those referral sources, assuming they're, they're, you know, center of influence type referral sources that have business coming in, they'll continue to pay dividends over and over again. Because while they can't be compensated by you, it, uh, what, they, what they're really looking for is a good place for them to send their clients that they can get good remarks from how they were served, how they were taken care of. And so if you do a good job for the clients, that gets back to the referral development uh, partnerships that you've built, and then they send you more business. And so, like LD said, even though he's busy and he's been busier than he has been in a while, he's still meeting with a new wealth manager tomorrow uh, or today. And so, so having that, ha continuing to have those meetings, even after it's been built, is essential because they just keep the, the, the good word about your business just keeps going. I, again, it's the slowest way to do things. It's not taking an ad and putting out on Google AdWords, um, but it is, it is without a doubt has the deepest roots and, um, and has the most evergreen life to it. Uh, you, you turn off a Google ad tomorrow, it stops working. Um, if Google changes algorithm tomorrow, it stops working. Um, I'm a fan of both. I'm not a fan of one or the other. LD happened to choose one over the other. That's okay. Just took him a little longer. I prefer to do a little bit of both paid advertising as well as organic referral development plans. Uh, Michael, I, I, I see you there. There's in one thing that, that we did that was very beneficial. Yeah. About eight months ago, I hired a part-time executive sales manager. Yep. So when I go to these groups and meet these people, I hook them up to her. 
Got it. So that what it, what it does, they learn to look to her to communicate with me. So it spares up my time to still practice law and do the other things I need to do. And because she's part-time, I don't have uh, a $30,000, $40,000 a year salary. And she's a, a mother that can work when I need her to and not when I don't. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but that was one of the smarter things I did. And it really facilitates my referral marketing uh, system. Yeah. If you can either afford uh, or to hire someone full-time in your practice, or if you can find someone like LD found who is a stay-at-home mom who can kind of work part-time as you need them uh, and they can be your partner in this referral development program, they can be a real asset, whether it's, calling and reminding people about the lunch or the breakfast that you had, or as, as you connect with somebody at a live meeting, uh, connecting them with that person. If they're with you, that's great. You can make the one-on-one -on -one connection. If not, you can have them reach out and make the connection, but training those referral development partners that they're gonna be able to get through, say, Susie, for lack of a better name. Uh, Susie is the personal assistant or the executive assistant of this role is gonna be the person they reach out to because the one downside to referral development programs is that it's usually you meeting with the professionals uh, and they oftentimes try to reach you and to send you a referral directly. I mean, I had a family member not long ago that had a, it was like two weeks ago, that had a, a, somebody that got nabbed underage drinking and they were asking me for help. And so I reached out, but I reached out personally to the the attorney because I didn't know another path. Had I known another path, I wouldn't have wanted to bother that attorney. Um, so I think that's a great that's a great takeaway, LD. Appreciate that. Um, Michael Wadler, I see you there. I saw you were on the phone. I didn't want to bother you. How's things going for you guys? Uh, we've been struggling uh, the last ninety days, primarily because of staffing issues. And uh, you know, just today, I got a call from an attorney. Um, responding to a letter I'd sent, I'd answered in a case and he never got a copy of the answer. And I looked and whoever had done the electronic filing had filed it, but not served the other side. Uh. It's kind of critical. Um, and one of those things that you just assume get done. And then while I was sitting here, I get a letter from that, that I sent to somebody and they put it on my desk. And I'm thinking, you know, it was obviously returned undeliverable, but for some reason you just handed me a letter that I sent to somebody. Huh. So how do you, who is it in your office that's typically in charge of managing the inflow and the outflow of communication? Well, what happened was is somebody quit very suddenly. We have one person, they quit very suddenly in April. We hired somebody, gave them one day of training, uh, then uh, about four weeks ago, they told us, uh, she told us that she was going to law school. So she, her last day is Friday and my daughter graduated college. So she's doing it because she needed something to do. And uh, I don't know how that's going to work. So, well, yeah, I mean, whether it's your daughter or it's anybody else, obviously, we've got to make sure that, that it's something they want to do. There's something they're capable of doing. And, and they've got to feel like they like doing it and they're paid a fair market-based wage. And then we've got to work with them towards mastery, right? So, Well, and we were relying on the other girl, the trainer, and the other girl had one day of training. And we're, you know, so we're just walking around blind right now. Yeah, so it's, it's a negative and it's a positive. So I had a client that, that their business manager left rather abruptly. They were, uh, they were offered a job, uh, two to three times what they were making uh, for this particular law firm. And, and by the way, that, that happens, right? So, you know, in this current environment where it's so hard to find good people, the big companies out there, are, their solution is they're just overpaying. And we're, we're seeing small business owners lose employees to people that are overpaying or to, pardon me, larger companies that are overpaying. Um, but that aside, that initially it was a pretty big shock that the business manager had disappeared. And this attorney who was in the Freedom Group, you know, then had to go back into their business. They were only working five or 10 hours a week in their business because it was running like clockwork. But then a key employee left, they left abruptly and they try to find somebody else to fit the role. But what they recognized pretty quickly 
what when when they jumped back in with both feet was one whole bunch of stuff had changed and they weren't as up to date on what was supposed to be happening in their office as they thought they were meaning the owner was no longer attuned with what really happened in the office too Things were being done that weren't according to the rules of engagement that they had set up years ago and had always worked by. Um, and three, uh, there was a lot of inefficiencies in the office that they didn't realize were there. But now by diving in, they're able to realize those inefficiencies. And now they're still in the middle of the storm. And, and it's right now it's painful. Um, but there's a, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. And the good news is they're rebuilding it. And, and that, that is, you know, we're, you're not even talking about a situation where you came from freedom and having to jump back in. What I'm hearing you say, Michael, is we've got a lot of stuff going on and the work's just not getting done in a way that it needs to get done. And, and you're still trying to keep up with everything that you're doing. Is that a fair statement? We're, we're, we have trouble keeping up with the work that we're doing and we have trouble keeping up with the management of the firm. Yeah. COVID has really wreaked havoc. Two of the partners don't even show up. They're just working completely remotely. They're expecting us to manage the office and provide all the infrastructure and, uh, you know, get bills out and get collections. And it's it's starting to take a toll. Is there somebody that's clearly in charge? I mean, is there a managing partner or? Yeah. I mean, there's one, there's, you know, my partner is the one who kind of tries to, uh, you know, manage the infrastructure, but he's a wits in. Yeah. Can you, can you identify, one of the things that we did was we started to identify all of the items that can be done remotely. Uh, there's some things that can't be done remotely, but all the items that can be done remotely. And then we started recruiting for somebody to help us from an executive assistant perspective or a paralegal perspective remotely. And we outsourced it to them. Now we had to give them training and hopefully we found somebody with some level of experience of organization, um, but predominantly because they could work remotely, we didn't have to worry about finding the talent just in our hometown. Is, do you find it's just finding the right talent in the hometown or is it is it is the pro problem larger than that? I think the problem is probably larger than that because, um, you know, the two of us are spending time administratively and there's six other people, two of our partners, and they're just we're just in a, we're in the middle of the storm right now. Yep. We just need to make some structural changes. Yep. Somebody's got to lead the way, right? Somebody's got to lead the way. Somebody's got to stand up and say, and, and this is the hardest part about partnerships. Um, it, you know, when things are going great, partnerships are wonderful. It's when things, when the storm is there, that partnerships really show their colors. And so you, you guys will figure it out, I'm sure. Um, but somebody's got to stand up and say, listen, this is what's got to be done. We got to get a partner meeting together. Somebody's got to lead the way and take the bull by the horns and say, okay, you know, John, you do this, Michael, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. Joe, you do this. And, and we all agree we're, we're going to do a 90 day sprint and work our way out of this. But if, if we don't start working our way towards the goals of fixing it, the problem is it's going to get worse before it gets better. Yeah. And there's just, you know, and not to whine, but there's just a, a, a lack of comprehension about how much administrative work there really is. And you spend an hour or two a day that, that the other people aren't spending because they're not coming into the office. Right. You know, but like I said, I don't want to walk. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you got your hands full as you're going through it. If you got questions, post them on the queue or email me. Let me know how I can help. Okay. I appreciate it. Thank yes, you. Sir. Yes, sir. All right. Um, We've got about 15 minutes left. Anybody else want to turn their camera on, have something they love to add to this conversation or something we want to pull out of it? Um, I, I'm here for you. This is, you know, for me, it was really, how are we launching? Um, yeah, this is Laura talking about, uh, I'd love to see this list of tasks for vote versus office. It's a great idea to break down like that. Yeah, so uh, so Laura, the, the list for me was, really almost everything under my executive assistance list. So that's what I did. Again, I'm not, I don't own a law firm. So um, it, was, it was everything we could do. So when I sat down to do the list, I said, okay, what can we currently do remotely with the software we currently have? So it, it really starts with software. Because if you've got software that can only be operated in the local office and can't be remote, operated remotely, that stunts our growth, our ability to outsource. 
But as soon as we solve that problem of what can we do remotely, now it's okay, then it usually comes down to documents. So once we have the software, then it comes down to, okay, how do, we, how do they see and access the documents? So then it comes down to just having a discipline and a routine to make sure that all the files are electronic and are scanned. Even if you're, even if you're still a full paper office, you have all of the files scanned into a file situation that the remote person can access. And then it's just about creating rules of engagement of inspection uh, for each one of those roles and having somebody that they report to to inspect with them on a weekly basis or a daily basis, depending on the volume of work that's got to be done. Um, so when you when you sit down and you look at your office, it really it does somewhat depend practice area to practice area, but you just have to identify all those things that can be done with what we have right now remotely and do those first and just offload those, like checking email, managing voicemails, making outbound phone calls, taking inbound phone calls. Um, uh, again, then when we have to say documents and software, that's when we have to say, okay, how do we get the documents scanned in? How do we manage the software remotely? Those are the two, the documents and the software are the two biggest issues for all law firms for things to be able to manage um, remotely. Um, Let's see. So I, the big things I wanted to cover was really talk, talking about vacation. Uh, what's it like to be able to take time off? What do you need? To, what has to happen in your life to be able to take time off? This idea of launching into the next six months of the year. Where are we right now? What reports are we running right now? Uh, and, you know, how do we know where the health of our business is today? And what we have to be doing to get from where we are today to where we are at the end of six months. Uh, because just like um, what what Ron was saying and um, what uh, Charles was saying and what Stephen was saying about vacation is it has to be penciled in and on the con on the calendar. You have to put it out there and say this is what I'm shooting for. Well, if you want to hit a certain goal, whether that's dollars in the bank, revenue generated, number of cases filed, whatever it is. We've got to have clear, concise goals to be able to achieve that for the next six months. And so the question is, how do we go about identifying that? Well, first step is taking identifying where our A is. So Blaine likes to talk about uh, A is where you are now, uh, uh, C is where you want to go, and B is the journey in between. Or you could say A, C, and B. It depends on how you want to look at it. So I always been a firm believer that you have to know where you are right now uh, in order for you to figure out where you're going to go. Now, the journey is also an important part of this process, but, but taking stock of where you are. So before I get into those reports, I saw Joe dropped on, stopped on or put on his uh, camera. Joe, did you have any questions or thoughts around this? Be it vacation or systems that you need to be able to take the next six months? Uh, I don't want to uh, repeat anything anyone else said. Sorry, I'm jumping on late. Um, oh, I, I, I'm still in the process of trying to uh, kind of crunch the numbers for the uh, trend throughout the year. Uh, I've seen objectively, I'll be gone for a week and I'll come back and my 30-day average on law pay is like 10,000 left than when I left, lower than when I left. Yeah. And then I'll you know start working and doing consults and everything and it creeps back up and then I'll be gone for a week and then it drops back down to the 10 grand. And I think a lot of that is probably just uh, the slowdown in the market and the summer slowdown that we always see. Um, it's just hard to come back uh, after a week and see that down when I, we have capacity available. Um, so I'm still crunching numbers to verify it's you know not my fault, not my associate's fault, but uh, just is what it is. But uh, trying to track all that stuff as frequently and ongoing as possible. Yeah, I mean, if you know, if you leave and you realize that your receivables are down. Um, based on real numbers that you can see every time that you leave, uh, it, it either means that when you leave, something stops. And, and, and so the sales process stops somewhere along the line or, or uh, pr production stops. So we're not getting the cases worked or working the cases in a way that are going to allow money to come in, whether it's getting a chapter 13 confirmed or whatever. Um, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, the other side of that coin is that, that's another way to build a lifestyle law firm. Uh, you, you can very well, once you know what that's going to be and you go, well, okay, every time I take a vacation, I know that it's going to, the firm isn't going to do this much business. But I know that as long as the firm does this much business, X, Y, Z, 
that we can maintain our standard of living. We can, we can fund our retirement plans. And because my family's young, taking time with them is more important than sticking around and chasing after every single dollar. Um, but ide the ideal position to get into is be able to take those seven to 10 days off and come back and have the law of pay numbers be exactly where they are. So the path that you're going on is right. How do I, how do I identify um, what is it exactly that's happening when you're gone that's not causing the law pay numbers to be able to, or causing them to decrease, not increase? So do you have a gut feeling of what it is, Joe? Honestly, I think it's the, um, just the time of year uh, more than anything else. Because if you look at the trends in, in consumer bankruptcy, uh, revenue and caseload and everything is slower in the summer and over the like Christmas holidays because that's when people are you know ignoring the mail and spending the money and you know unfortunately things are shaking out the way I, I projected that we would have a lot of work that did not involve new revenue from people that hired us with their stimulus money and then ghosted and now they want to file which has been great for my uh, ego because we were the number one filer through the most of this year, but that hasn't translated into new dollars uh, as much as we expected. Yep. And as I had predicted, normally we have a slow summer when everyone is out of the lake. This year we had pockets full of stimulus money. We finally got to take our masks off and go out to the lake. And so it's just cumulative effect of everyone's ignoring everything. Yeah. But if you look at the news stories, it's not so much the fall where we had record personal savings. Now it's climbing records in consumer spending and consumer debt. Uh, and I think that just as bad as we're having a, a you know record slow summer, we're going to have a record strong fall when everything everyone goes back to school, hopefully, and starts opening the mail just like they always do. Things will correct uh, back to more of an average. I agree. I, I, you know, we're hope I'm, I'm hopeful that the government doesn't step in and save everybody again. Uh, but <laughs> well, and I'm just, I'm happy that, um, you know, I, I stuck to all of my, my numbers, and my percentages, yeah. you, know, I, you know, I do the profit first accounting and things like that. So when we had a really busy um, and really profitable uh, 2020, I kept putting all that money aside and I got months and months and months ahead on my payroll account. So now uh, we're kind of flat on income um, which is fine. Uh, I'm still turning a profit, not as much as I would like, but I'm sitting on these cash reserves in the places where they need to be. So I know I can keep going and, and wait out the slow until the busy picks up. Yeah, that's huge. Congratulations. I mean, that, that is, that's a summarized story right there. Uh, you know, that, 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 that right then and there uh, is the primary reason why you won EAY uh, of 2020 because you put these systems in place that uh, withheld during the storm. So uh, coming back to one point though, as another factor, when I find things are slow, um, one of the, pla the two places I go to turn to, to see if it's macroeconomic or if it's internal, uh, I start at the very, very outskirts tip of the funnel. So the first thing I do is I check web traffic. So I wanna identify unique visitors um, because if unique visitors is down, that's telling me macroeconomics are down, um, especially assuming my pay-per-click and everything else has been the same. The second thing I look at is inbound phone calls. So the, those two metrics, if my inbound phone calls and my unique visitors to my website are about or are down, that's giving me an indication that macroeconomics is affecting this more than conversions inside of the funnel of the firm. So not that you have to go that far, but that's where I always went to, to make myself feel better as this final check. Okay. Are we doing something wrong internally? Um, and, and listen, we're going through it ourselves. Uh, we have less appointments on the books in our firm than we've had in a long time. And, and the, really the macroeconomics behind it is just there, there's a lot going on for attorneys right now. And the COVID effect is in full effect with attorneys not in their offices, it's been much more difficult for us to get a hold of them and get them on the phone. Uh, and gatekeepers have made it more difficult for us to do that too. And I, I just have to go back and check the macro, the macro numbers on everything to make sure we're still going in the right direction. And we are, um, but we're, we, we too have to reinvent ourselves on the way that we change our marketing to schedule appointments. So I think you make that sound scarier than it needs to be though, because uh, yeah. you know, just having the PCLC numbers right there, I know the number of new leads. Mm -hmm. Right. So I don't need to go back and check with each of my vendors and each of my lead sources and all of those things. I just look at my dashboard and say, last month I had 80, this month I had 60. Right. Um, and as long as my conversion rates are solid, then I know that this is nominally outside my control and it's a funnel problem or a, a leads 
revenue or uh, sorry, volume uh, issue. So I don't need to look at each of my 73 tracking numbers. <laughs> no, I, uh, yeah, I agree. The only reason I look at the, the web traffic is because I want to make sure something didn't break on my landing page or my website that caused me a fall off in leads. Okay. So um, you're, you're looking at the volume before it hits the leads column. Yeah, it's the step before that I never Got talk it. about on these calls because it gets so complicated and wonky. Um, but yeah, it's, I, I go and look at the volume. Like what, if I'm doing direct mail, did my direct mail pieces go down? Is my, you know, what the thing before the lead happens, all of my lead sources, is there a way to count how many impressions or how much dollars I'm spending or how much web traffic I'm having or how many pieces of mail am I sending? Is that down as well? Cause that, that gives me that indication. Am I, is it macro or, or do I have a conversion problem? And, and I can tell you that, that that has saved my butt a number of times because I found like for once when I was building the law firm in Phoenix with a pay-per-click, um, we were down in leads and, and so it felt like it was macroeconomic, but I couldn't put my finger on it. And so then I went through every one of my landing pages and I, I had like 30 of them and I found three of them that were, that the branding traffic was going to the web form was broken and the, and the code JavaScript code was sending the wrong phone number up top and it wasn't going through a tracking line any longer. And I wouldn't have known it unless I checked it. And so that's neurotic and it's that's who I am. And it's the same, I'm the same guy that used to check the phone every hour when it wasn't ringing to make sure it was still on, you know, had the dial tone, but that's how deep I would go with it to make myself feel better and making myself feel better has caught some things that were broken in the past. So for what it's worth, um, Terry, I saw that you on, are you put your camera on? Did you have a question or anything I come alongside you with? How are things going for you and Brent? Hi, good. Um, we hired an associate. So, hey, yeah, it's been a long you found, time. You found one. Yeah, we found a unicorn. So, so far, um, so good. He is from the trustee's office. And the biggest thing we've had with Brent and new hires is just the ability for him to train. And this attorney came in just wanting to do work, didn't really want to be with clients. He just wants to do the work. Hmm. And that's the hole we needed filled most um, immediately for, the, for a long time. So, it's been really, really good. And I think we're going to get a ton of cases confirmed on the upcoming dockets, which will help um, cash flow and just kind of bump us up through the summer. So that's going really well. Um, the question I did have was through COVID, we expanded our marketing and our reach to middle Missouri. So Columbia, Jeff City area, because okay. um, everything is virtual and there's not a ton of representation there. Um, and the fees are higher. So we probably should have done it a long time ago, but COVID <laughs> kind of pushed us that way. And it took off at first very, very well, and it's still doing okay. But I was wondering if, I think that some of the people in that area don't quite comprehend that they can live in middle of Missouri and have an attorney in St. Louis and that that makes sense and works. Yeah. And so we don't have an office there. I was thinking, would it be worth it to do like a Regis office and pay 80 bucks a month? Just because really the only place we're marketing it is direct mail and some PPC campaigns to be able to put on our website, a Columbia office and in the direct mail piece of Columbia office. Do you think that would um, solidify leads a bit better? Well, I, you know, there's no absolutes in marketing. But uh, you, you have two ways to go about this. One, you can try to educate the public at large uh, when they're ready to make a buying decision about bankruptcy that it's okay to choose a firm that's not in their town because everything can be done remotely these days. That's, a, that's the uphill task. The easier answer is let's get ourselves a Regis office at a low investment price. I think they're anywhere from 95 to $295 to $395 a month, depending on the location. And it gives us the ability to have an address. Now. There are people who will tell you that Regis offices aren't the best solution because they won't give you the SEO juice because Google knows what they are and Google doesn't give you the Google My Maps or Google My Business placement for that address. There are other people who have told me that they have successfully been able to run, uh, build those offices out and build that office out on Google and have a successful presence. But yeah, I do believe that local means something to people. Um, which is why whenever I'm advertising locally, I don't want to use an 800 number. I always want to use a lo local prefect with a local area code. 
in the number in the places that I'm sending my direct mail. I love to have it match. Uh, and if it can't match, I love to make sure they see that we have different options for different offices. And yeah, my experience is in Phoenix, you know, if I was, if I, if I ran an ad in Phoenix, there's, there were three main phone numbers in Phoenix, 480-602 and I think it was 654. And if I didn't have all three of those numbers listed and show an active satellite office in those, in those areas, I didn't convert as well. Um, now, I never actually went to the satellite offices when we were doing it for Google purposes. And so we, we never met people there. We always converted them overcoming, convincing them to drive 30 miles. You don't have that problem because COVID has eliminated that problem for you. You can now meet with somebody through Zoom or video conferencing and you don't, you don't have to reveal the fact that you marketed that you had an office there, but really you want them to come to your main office. Um, so yeah, that's a long way around me saying, yes, if it was me and that's what you're trying to accomplish and you really want to build out that area, that I think a, a local address would be the best choice. Now, is Regis the best choice in a local address? I mean, some of the great ways to do it is if you can find a local attorney who doesn't do the practice area that you're in and is willing to sublet you a little, uh, you know, an A or a B suite out of their suite, that's a nice way to do it. Um, it gives you also a conference room if you needed to actually use it uh, to meet with somebody there occasionally. Um, and Google will automatically see that as an address that's viable, not as a regional, a, a regal address. Um, the downside of that is if that attorney grows and they, they don't have room for you anymore, they could easily kick you out where that likely won't happen with Re Regis. So yeah, my, long, my short answer is yes, I believe you should do it. If you want to gather it, the, the longer answer is where should you best do it? And that, that just takes some investigation. I would, I would definitely look at other firms who are in those areas, in those Regis offices, and I would see if they're ranking in those offices in Google. Um, because, you know, if you're going to do it, why not do it in a way that you can rank in Google as well? Okay. Thank you. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, my immediate thought was just get the Regis office for the address to beef up the marketing we're doing mm -hmm. and then build relationships with some firms, send out some referral books and referral packet information to some firms, and then maybe go that route in three to six months. Um, but I can probably expedite that too and just try and figure that out now. I mean, just here's what we know. We know changing addresses, Google doesn't like it, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're not, if you're going to just put the um, address out there for the sake of having it on your direct mail and, and having, being able to say you have an office there on your website or whatever, that's fine. But if you're going to build Google juice to it at all, we know once you change, Google gets very upset with that. It, it treats it badly. So if I'm going to do it, I'd rather do it once. And, yeah. and not have to do it twice. So especially since it's not going to have capacity issues and it's really going to just be a holding address, pick a place that, you know, once you start down this path, you're not going to have to change that address again. Gotcha. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. All right, everybody. Uh, five o'clock. LD, the answer to your question, if you're still there, LD's gone. Okay. Um, uh, he asked me if Maria was going to be in San Diego. The answer is, I believe she is going to be in San Diego. She did just take a new career choice path in the mortgage industry because we replaced her in the event business. And so now she's bored, <laughs> went and cut her mortgage license. So uh, she's going to try that out. So I think she'll be in San Diego. Um, she'll be able to see everybody there. Sorry, I see that you came on. Sarah, I see that you came on. Uh, did you have a question before I get off? No, um, no. I just, I always find that even just listening, there's one or two nuggets that I'm going to pick up that are valuable and I appreciate and will stick somewhere hopefully in this head of mine that I might remember. And uh, so I just wanted to say thank you. And it just kind of helped me focus more on uh, listening to the conversation. So. Good. That's why also, I'm here. That's why I'm here. I, I thought I'd I thought I'd come alongside everybody to see if we can. Uh, I also that you know uh, until you start listening, you don't realize that the things that you're thinking are your problem alone. Yeah, right. Exactly. And 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 that was the valuable piece I think I picked up today because I had been feeling lately that um, we all of a sudden just like this week kind of just hit this wall. This dead moment so if this is more as joe says kind of seasonal as opposed to me i could live with it <laughs> yeah i'm just so you know i'm hearing it across the board uh so my private clients that i talked to in june 
they all, many of them are all feeling the exact same thing. There hasn't been an issue we brought up on this call that I haven't heard the, the largest firms in our community not going through as well. Everybody's going through similar times and, and we're feeling it too, uh, at, at talking directly to attorneys. So I see it across the board. I think people got a fistful of stimulus money and no masks and, and things have just slowed down a little bit. Um, so I think when, you know, for me, when God tells me that I just time to take a break, I just sit back, relax, as Joe said, make, monitor my numbers, monitor, make sure I have the cash reserves in the right places and just, uh, keep my powder dry till the opportunity shows up again. So that's what we're doing. So thank you very much. You're welcome. All right, everybody, I'm going to sign off if you're coming to San Diego, I'll see you there. If you're coming virtually, I'll see you over the camera. Uh, if you can't make it to San Diego and you uh, are not able to make it to uh, the virtual uh, partners club, either you're not qualified, you're not a member yet, or you're just not able to do it, uh, we'll see you again in August at Interview with an Expert. Uh, if you're watching this on YouTube or any of the other podcast form, you can go ahead and comment, thumbs up, like, you know, all that good stuff. It lets us get more of this information out there. So hope it was helpful for you all today, uh, helping you build your practice one vacation at a time. Thanks so much, everybody. Make it a great day. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I hope you learned something about a system that you could put into your law firm so you can build that law firm that supports your lifestyle rather than undermine your lifestyle. I hope that you feel like you're part of our community we call Entrepreneurial Attorney Nation. If you'd like to learn more about what we do around here, the best way to get started is to go ahead and go to our website, therichardjames.com. That's therichardjames.com and request a free copy of one of our books so that you can take the next step in learning how we can help you build your practice better, one system at a time.